Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. This is Larry Betag with No Rewind, and welcome back. I am very excited today as we have another episode with some another awesome, awesome guest. And before I get to that, first and foremost, I want to shamelessly self-promote myself and Cherry Creek Mortgage. This program is brought and sponsored by Cherry Creek Mortgage. If you need to refinance, purchase, whatever, Cherry Creek's the best. I love them, and they pay my bills, so I support them. So thank you so much, Cherry Creek Mortgage. Uh, again, No Rewind, the purpose of No Rewind is taking you and making you from good to great. And in the process of doing that, we got a lot of people that we bring in and they got their own unique story. Everyone says, well, my life's not like that. No, my life's not like this either. Um, and everyone's life is so different. But I am the fortunate to bring a guy by the name of Brother Jose Ambrosic, um, brought to us virtually by long distance uh, from Peru. He's up in... Um, I think it's uh, Philadelphia right now, but Jose, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, Larry. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you too. I want to go back to, I guess maybe I want to really go back to where it all started for you, but I kind of want to start really, I was thinking today in church that I think you were over at our house before we built our new home, so I'm going to say I've probably known you close to 14 or 15 years already now. Is that right? Yeah, and uh, before I went to your house, of course, I knew you, so I could abuse your, your hospitality. We had met before at Malo, maybe a year or two before that. Yeah, and I had spent a number of, uh, of trips coming up to Malo. And for those that don't know, um, I, I have this past in my life where I, I spent all my four summers, probably one of the greatest times in my entire life, was working at a uh, Catholic camp a uh, hundred yards outside of Rocky Mountain National Park in a, in a little town called Allen's Park. And um, all the summers we had uh, 12, uh, we had 12 weeks that we were there, nine weeks with campers, five weeks with boys, four weeks with girls. And uh, we were camp counselors with other counselors throughout the, the entire United States, actually from out, uh, even outside the world, or outside the United States, I should say, not outside the world. That'd be weird. Um and we um, took care of these kids from the ages 8 to 16. And it was such a great time for me because I got to hang out with all these different people. And all these other kids really got to experience, you know, I'm going to say the mountains, God, horseback riding, swimming, archery, riflery, just every single thing that, that, that kids would love. And it was a great time. And it eventually closed down. And I kept knocking on the door saying, I want to have a reopen. And everyone said no until I met you. I stopped them one time, and we got along really, really, really well. So, anyways, enough about that. So, we, we got to meet probably 14, 15 years ago, and um, at least that amount of time, and I can't believe that the time has fly, flown by so much. But um, um, what I want to do today, Jose, is um, really kind of uh, 
talk to you about you, you, your path and your journey. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm going to get to a punchline right away, but I, I think that your story is magnificent in the sense that everyone's got a different path. But I, I think from all the conversations you and I have had, I mean, it, it kind of starts off way back when, and you were, I'm going to say, an atheist at some point. So, well, <laughs> am I right? Yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> so tell me, bring bring us back. Peru, this is your story. It's not mine. I've talked enough. Tell me about okay. growing up. Okay, interrupt me at any point if you want to take it in a different direction. Or, or I will. I do that very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Larry, I know you. Uh, so uh, I'm from Peru my father was from Slovenia and uh, he fought in the second world war and then after the war he was a refugee in an Austrian camp and eventually found his way to Peru where he met my mother so I was raised in Peru in Lima the capital city and I tend to think I like to think (laughs) I was a good boy growing up quite mischievous but but well, well what, what boy isn't, right? I'm sorry? What boy isn't mischievous? Yeah, well, yeah, I was, I think I stood out a little bit in that, because, uh, uh, yeah, I was always giving my, my mother fears and headaches, but anyway, so, uh, so I'm 10 years old, and I find out that I have relatives in Cleveland, Ohio, and I say to my dad, hey dad, can I go study in the U.S.? And, and he says, why not? So I go and do my fifth and sixth grade in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, it was an amazing time. I learned to ski in Cleveland, even though that might surprise some people. Yeah, skiing and Cleveland do not sound like they belong in the same sentence. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so life sometimes throws you at you like curveballs and when I was finishing my sixth grade, my father died in Peru, and I was in Cleveland. So eventually, my mother brought me back to Peru, and I didn't, I didn't uh, react very well to that. Well, became wasn't there very, wasn't there a story behind your father and the way he passed? Well, he had a drugstore. He was a very entrepreneurial guy because he he, he arrived in Peru with not a cent in his pocket. And then he started uh, like a bakery. Then he started a restaurant. Then he had a drugstore. So he, I mean, he was providing for us, and I mean, being successful as a small business owner. And um, there was a robbery in the drugstore, and he got shot. So and he passed away that that same day. I mean, they took him to the hospital, and he arrived and uh, and died pretty soon then. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to stop for a second because you just said your father died. And I think that, um, you know, it, it's not just the fact that your father died. So the, the, I think the way that he was, you know, he was violently taken away from you, number one. And number two, um, were you up until that point, were, were you tight with your father? Was your father your the the, um, the mentor in your life? Was he a, a good mentor for you? Well, he was very good. And as I say, I mean, uh, nowadays I tell this story to other parents and they find it outrageous that when I was 10 years old my father would be willing to send me to another country and uh, wow. but that's the way but that's that's the way it was in Europe back then and that's the way he was raised and he, he decided to go to Peru of all places to flee the, the communist uh, occupation of 
Slovenia by Tito. So, I mean, I always felt supported by him. I had a good relationship with him. I mean, the relationship you have as a kid, uh, he was a man of faith, and we always went to Mass on, on, on Sundays. He would, uh, I mean, yeah, he was an excellent role model. So, that, so that's a part that's devastating. It's not even, even more so the fact that um, the way he's violently taken away, I'm sure that's a huge part of it, but the fact that he's just, he's gone, he's taken away. And you have him one day, and the next day he's gone. Yeah, and you know, I, I kind of reflect after this, and, and some people might relate to this at some point with different situations. But it was like, okay, I, I, my family was—I mean, we loved each other. We had a good uh, family experience. My fathers loved each other; they loved us, so everything was good in my world. And uh, and I tried to be good, so God uh, to be the good side of God. So, as a kid, I thought, well, if my parents love me and my God loves me, I mean, nothing could go wrong, right? Right. So, so when you have uh, evil uh, bursting into your life in such a devastating way, it, it shakes up everything. Yeah, it's got to go ahead. and just It's like your heart has been put in a blender, and one day it's, it's perfect, the next day it's, it's bad, so... Tell me what happens after uh, the the, the um, murder of your father. Well, uh, I came, I went back to Peru, but as I say, I was I wasn't doing well at all, so I became very introverted, very much into myself. And since I had little capacity of reaction in a new school, uh, I was being bullied, and uh, I couldn't respond. I, I was looking at myself like I was seeing a movie, and I was the actor in this movie and I see this guy being bullied and I can't believe it but it's happening <laughs> wow that's a great insight to even watch it happening to yourself yeah yeah. I, I, I was surprised but with no capacity of reaction now at the same time I'm 12, 13 uh, okay so uh, adolescence setting in uh, with all its complications um, I'm starting to become a uh, sexually not only curious but active and so I, I see the evil that was thrust into my life but I also see the evil coming out of myself and I can't figure it out so it was it was really complicated mm. and so eventually I just well I, it was simpler to say okay there is no God everybody has to look out for himself and that's about it and so I that, that's the way I looked at my life and I became atheist. I had a good explanation for everything. I didn't care for friendships. They were a sign of weakness. And I was going to be very successful, make a lot of money, and not depend on anybody. That was kind of my, in short, that was my world vision at that point. So I, I was I set was to lead a very unhappy life. Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, um, you, you were saying that you had all your intellectual responses um, uh, all played out. But I guess in my uh, question, as a self-proclaimed, I, I know you, you when you and I have spoken, you've said that you were very much um, a hardcore atheist. And um, so you'd have to have, obviously, your, your, your defenses all and your responses all, all perfect. But in your heart of hearts, did you still... Um, did you really believe that there wasn't God because of how bad you were at that point in your mind or was there something in the back of your mind saying well maybe this is just something else 
Well, it, it, it was mixed, and I, I'm not sure I was fully conscious, and I, I probably didn't want to be fully conscious, but of course, on one on the one side, my dad was taken away from me, and uh, I blame God for it. Another part of my mind is, I'm doing all these evil things that I'm doing, I mean, that are coming out of myself, so maybe I deserve this and the worst. So, in a sense, I feel... I felt victim in a sense. I feel I felt guilty. So it was it was difficult to, to process, and it was much simpler to say, "Okay, the hell with it. I'm just going to be successful." And period. So this this this, uh, this transition happens when you're in teens. How how long does it, it last until? Um, because I got to believe you got better and better becoming an atheist, and it became stronger and stronger. So how long does this go before there's any kind of moments that that might change your mind? Well, it happened that uh, it went until my senior year in high school, and uh, and as you say, I, I mean, I, I had developed my my intellectual <laughs> reasoning for it, and I was able to defend it at least I thought successfully, uh, even with teachers. I was in a Catholic school, and um, that was actually run by American priests and brothers of the Marianist uh, Society, and. But I couldn't care less about religion or God or I mean, I I I even thought I was stronger by being an atheist because since I had no moral boundaries in any confrontation, I could always go farther than my opponent. So that gave me a sense of security of even superiority. I mean, it, it, it's interesting how you can delude yourself with those things, but yeah. I felt I was okay, and if somebody would have asked me, "Are you happy? Do you want to be happy?" I would look at him like, "Hey, you still believe in Santa Claus? Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about?" So you got to become the bully by picking on other people for their beliefs. <laughs> no, I didn't become a bully. I just became okay. I, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't care less about anybody else. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was my kind of the way I looked at it. You just had that was that was your weapon of defense. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, you're you're in now. This high school. You, I, I I know the story. Was this a parochial high school or, or, or um, a, a government high school? No, it, it was a it was a Catholic. Uh, uh, well, it was a K twelve school that was run by this uh, community of uh, priests and brothers from the Society of Mary, the Marinists. So, yeah, it was a, a, a Catholic school run by a religious community, and it was it was a good school. It was kind of exclusive. That was part of the, the issue also because um, I was absolutely middle class. <laughs> I mean, and this was a school where most of my peers were very wealthy. Mm. So uh, there was some bitterness on my part uh, also, be bullied by these guys who thought they were better than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I know that makes sense. So you, you, you're there, and um, you, you're something big happened senior year. Yeah, um, actually, I got uh, we got a new religion teacher who was an alumna uh, uh, who had studied in that school years ten years before, and he is a different type of teacher. He's not. Uh, gathering to us, he's not subservient to us in any way like most of the other teachers. I mean, he speaks his mind, and he's very demanding intellectually, 
and uh, I didn't agree with him, but at least I had to recognize that he made intelligent arguments. So it was interesting. I mean, I, I wasn't shaken from my atheist beliefs, but I had to respect that he had something to say. And then, uh, in one of this displays of uh, not absolutely caring about what we thought or what we felt, he said, okay, uh, everybody has to go on a retreat, otherwise you'll be flunked in, in the religion course. And we were, come on, I mean, senior year, high school, are you going to flunk anybody in religion? <laughs> that makes sense. But at, uh, our, our school year runs from March to December, so come August 1972, uh, he's telling me, okay, this in a couple of weeks is the last retreat, and if you do not go, you're flunked. So get your act together. Mm. So I... I grudgingly said, okay, I'll go. Because <coughs> you knew by this time this guy was a real deal. He meant what he was. If you were going to flunk, you were going to flunk. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't care less. So I, for me, it was just, okay, I'll lose a weekend. I'll just deal with it. And, uh, and that's it. So I went to the retreat. A group of us uh, escaped from the retreat house Friday night, went drinking in a nearby village. And... So uh, we, we, we really didn't care about what was going on in the retreat. But then Saturday afternoon, they tell me, okay, it's time for confession. So I say, well, I'm an atheist, so I don't believe in that, so I'm not going to confession. And they say, well, okay, you don't have to go to confession, but at least talk to the priest. Mm. And I was, I was so full of myself that I said, yeah, I can do that. I can talk mm. to the priest. Maybe there'll be somebody intelligent to, to hear my arguments. <laughs> yeah. And you can uh, yeah. you can tell them to go ahead and leave the church and leave God and everything else because you're smarter than them. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of my attitude. I was such a fool. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, I sit down with this priest, and we had a discussion like three hours. How many hours? Three hours. Wow. And he wouldn't let me go. And I, I, every time I, I didn't realize it then, but now I think back and I think, well, he probably had a, a queue of people waiting for confession. He could have told me, well, we continue this, this discussion um, in a few days in school or whatever. But he kept, I, I think he saw something or got inspired in some way, but he kept at it until he finally, I mean, he broke me. I don't, I don't recall exactly how it ended, but I must have ended up confessing because we had mass afterwards and we went to communion and, and my mind was blown away and suddenly things started fitting in a reasonable way, but in a way I could have never imagined. And I felt touched in my, in my heart in a way that I have never experienced before. And my conclusion next day, Sunday, as we're about to leave the retreat is, okay, I mean, I don't know and I don't care what's going to be my life. The only no thing I'm sure is that God has to be the center because mm. I had never never experienced something so deep and so true. Wow, and, and so here's, here's the thing that I love hearing, and it's funny because looking back, you don't even know what that moment was that, that, that converted it, but um, for you to go in there with this defensive position that you're going to convince the priest that he's a fool and here you are three hours later you just knew that you couldn't do anything 
um, the rest of your life without God being the center of it. That, that, that that's a rat. That's radical. You know that, right? Yeah, and it's a it's a huge gift from God. I mean, there's there was no merit at all in my part. It was like I feel like uh, like Paul that was thrown off his horse. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm really grateful to this priest for being a vehicle of God's grace and for God because I mean it's like what he says in in in, in John 15. Uh, you haven't chosen me; I have chosen you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm very very grateful for that. Um, so, I guess when when I think about this thing, I mean, it, you, you know, you you gone from being this this big atheist guy, and, and honestly, you know, I think for 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 any listener out here, I I when if you and I were talking right here, my my first thought would be, you know, everybody's dealt a, a whole separate. Uh, I, I hear people whining all the time about their lot in life, and I, believe me, I, I, I have talked in prior episodes about how I laid down, kicked, whined, and screamed, and whined as anybody um, about how bad my life was. Um, and you know, but I was dealt a, a different set of cards, and um, you know, you were dealt a, a different set of cards. I look at this if I'm an outsider looking in. Boy, your your dad's a provider. He he's. Um, uh, a great man. He's forward thinking. He's like, we gotta get out of there. He gets out of there. He he, he's a wheeler dealer. You know, finds a way to create a open up a pharmacy drugstore. You know, he he he's a forward thinking man. He's gonna lead his family into you know the next generation, and he's gonna be great. And then it, your whole world gets ripped out. And you couldn't yeah. dial that up. That wasn't anything that you would ever put on your agenda. N- nobody would. And so, if, if in theory, you could go ahead and spend the rest of your life. Really, being the way that you are in high school, being really bitter about you know the cards that were dealt to you, you know. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would have had a miserable life, and I would have made people's life miserable because I mean that that's something interesting. When I came back from those two years in the U.S., you know, it's it's interesting looking from the different culture. Something that was very clear to me, and I think that's that's part of the U.S culture that to be very entrepreneurial very uh can do i i i came back from the u.s thinking okay anything is possible you just have to figure out how to go about it but anything is possible and that was a huge gift so in my state of mind bitter and i mean i was capable i was intelligent i knew i could do stuff i was gonna yeah i, I was probably gonna be successful making money but i was gonna be a jerk <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because it, it, when I talk about my experience, you know, back in my—I I know you read my book, No Rewind, but it, yeah. it, you know, during that time, you know, that I was like suicidal. I heard a, a preacher out in Colorado once say that the um, that other than genetics, um, people who are depressed are probably some of the most selfish people in the world because it's all about them and. Um, I know when I look back on my lot in my life, first of all, I got myself to the situation that I, where I was. Um, no one else put me there. I did. And um, I can tell you that I was incredibly selfish. And the whole year that I found that depression, well, why was I depressed? Because my life sucked. And I wanted to make sure that I'm going to whine and mope and, and, and feel horrible and miserable about it. And I got to tell you, unless, I, unless God would have kicked me in the, in the nuts and said, grow up, yeah, I'll help you. I'll, I'll help you grow up, but you need to grow up and become a man. 
well, that would have been, uh, just like you, I would have been miserable with my life and with the lives of all those people that I interface with, you know? Yeah, totally, I hear you. And, yeah, and the more, the more capable you are, the more capacity you have to do harm if your heart is not in the right place. Mm, I like that. Mm, say that again. No, no, that the more capable, intelligent, or successful you are, if your heart is not in the right place, the more ca- capacity you have to do harm to those around you. So I think for every listener here, boy, you know, I, I, I don't want people to sit and feel bad or miserable about themselves, but I, I do think that it's a great uh, call for a heart check. Um, you know, my, my heart, I, I think, is, is sitting really well, but I can tell you that it wasn't sitting really well a long time. And I, you know, just the fact that you and I are here, you know, goes to show that, I mean, impacting people's lives is important. And um, what I want to do is I know this will be, I want to wrap this thing up here right now, but would you be kind enough to come on back uh, for another episode, uh, Jose? Oh, oh yeah, I'd be happy to, Larry Yates. I mean, giving glory to God by thanking what he has done in my life, it's it's a way of of being grateful and sharing it with other people that might uh, find something valuable in it. So, yeah, I'm happy to. All right, let's wrap this up. We're going to come back with Jose Ambrosic and um, a very, very fascinating story. And we're going to pick this back up. Again, I want to thank Cherry Creek Mortgage for sponsoring this program. And if you like this, I'm asking you that you do hit the like button. Give us five stars if you can do that, if I can be so bold to ask. Also, I would love for you to please, please share this on Facebook and your social media and tell others about this because really this isn't about me. It's about... um, really bringing out the best in other people and i'm using other people to do just that so thank you cherry creek mortgage and we will come back um in just a few minutes thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one with interest rates this low what are you waiting for today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step talk to larry betag from cherry creek mortgage larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.